and we're live. <laughs> Everybody sing along. For everyone who's not in my room, at the end of that little call and response thing, um, Ed Kratz uh, just did like a real like, whoa, and then motion to the side of the screen and then pulled out the guy from Counting Crows to sing that fucking hot beat with him at the end. So, so instead of throwing it off to Luda, he threw it off to Durowitz. It, well, the, the two of them are just jump. They're like they're red hot chili peppers bouncing and singing the chorus to that abortion song or that uh, that miscarriage song uh, with uh, and it's the two titans, um, the live and the Counting Crows guy. So, oh man, I I didn't think they were able to be like in the same room or in the same plane together because like what if something, like what if <laughs> like a bomb not- went off? They both know the the formula to to coke. <laughs> it's that they're the same guys. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh man, how's it going? I'm all right. Yeah. I'm uh, it's a busy week, um, but I'm okay. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. We were talking in the green room about uh, finishing up New Vegas. Man, mm-hmm. I just can't rest if I have that big of an assignment on my plate. It is. Uh, yeah, I had a real realization that i'm still i really kind of busted my ass but i was didn't need to and i'm still like pretty ahead yeah so we're not going to record all nine hours of new vegas stuff in one day or anything oh god no so <laughs> i got some time um but yeah yeah, yeah. it is uh, it is a lot of content for us to be doing this is as like as long this is, is like final fantasy 7 or something like that as yeah. far as hours like i put 70 hours into this yeah yeah so, more yeah which like the only other game I've done that much for was uh, Morrowind. Yeah, yeah, Morrowind was a real, real time suck. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think that the, with this one, uh, us not splitting the because uh, I didn't put that much in. Like Fallout Three, I think I put like forty hours into. Yeah. Uh, because we split everything up, mm-hmm. and the decision not to do that is still good. <laughs> and there's a a lot of stuff that you will have to. Um, I kind of fucked up and locked myself out of NCR stuff slightly sooner than I would have liked. Okay. So I did a good amount of NCR stuff, but not all of it. Yeah. But I mean, it, it doesn't matter because I've done all of it like multiple times before this. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, for this playthrough, there are several NCR quests that I couldn't do. Yeah, I'm just gonna have to like wiki dive on any of the uh, like the powder ganger stuff or yeah, Legion. You just can't like do any of that, and and also like live in society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. which is which is good, but the uh, yeah, yeah. Best uh, best vaults in the series. Best set of vaults. Oh yeah, love the plant one. Oh well, and then Vault Eleven, which I think is one of the best uh, like levels and games. I forgot to add that. I think that is stronger than the uh, the Ultra Lux. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's the I think that's the coolest thing in in this game. Oh yeah, you were talking about uh, you're you're talking about Vivian's. Um... Yeah, or just well, or any uh, you know best levels of of all times. But I ended up putting uh, yeah. But the um, Vault Eleven is so, and then. One of the things I think people don't like about New Vegas when people who like Fallout 3 more uh, is that New Vegas is less concerned with mechanically rewarding the player for things. Right. Um, so there's no bobblehead at the end of Vault 11. Uh, like, there's nothing. You just get this, like, really, really great sci-fi story. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, and then the end, that's it. You know? And it's just this very classic, like, Twilight Zone, like, 
we live through it, but we can't live with what we've done, mm-hmm. you know, to uh, to to live through it. And it's just so good. And it's just your reward is you just get the story, or just the, like the H and H Tools Factory thing where you just get the backdrop and the, the story of this guy. But there's no there's nothing you get, you know. Yeah. Just go through a building, learn a story, and then that's that's the game. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I'm down with that. Like that is what a part of what I play these games for. Yeah, it's great. Like I I, I like games that just you know because it's there's like there's like gone home dna in vault 11 mm-hmm. you know like there there's like no combat encounters really like you fight uh rats and mantises like it's nothing up until the end and there's a combat encounter but it's a uh, you know like your reward is how much do you explore this story yep so vault 11 cast <laughs> no i keep saying a vault 11 is a vault 11 34 yeah. maybe no I, let me see Oh, you know what it is? I think it is Vault uh, Vault 11, but I'm getting confused because that sounds a little bit like uh, Vault uh, 101. Yeah. Like the famous Vault. Um, yeah, Vault, uh, vault 11 is the uh, the one with the uh, the blocks. Mm-hmm. Voting blocks. Yeah. So, it's so good. Yeah, they definitely concentrate it a lot more. Yeah. Which is yeah. great. Yeah. So, cool. Do you want me to uh, to get into some questions here? Yeah. All right. Uh, Everybody uh, gets kisses from Freddie Merchant Tree uh, for this one. <laughs> What's Freddie? It's the uh, merchant from uh, Crypt of the Necrodancer. Okay. And he sings, uh, but without the musical accompaniment. Um, it's random. This is that's. <laughs> this is literally the worst song for him to start on. Let me. Uh, but yeah, he just sings the vocal parts when you squeeze his belly. That's pretty good. Where you get something like that? Uh, the internet. Yeah, okay. Uh, I just uh, yeah, he was he was not too bad or anything. He's real cute though. Like he's a real cute dude. He's real fat. Yeah. <laughs> I like this little guy, and his name is Freddie Merchantry. <laughs> like that's great. Good job, Necro Dancer guys. I feel bad that I didn't recognize him. Oh, I mean, you know, he's usually like this tall, so yeah. <laughs> Pretty cool. Uh, so our first one here is from uh, from Brayton Cameron, uh, oh, hey. whoever that is. Who yeah. uh, said, Gary and Cole, now that the Duckfeed wiki is live, how do you feel about the handsomeness rankings? Also, how do you feel about the word handsomeness? Uh, that's that's the uh, handsomeness ratings. Um, I feel are probably pretty accurate. Yep. Because uh, it's everyone just kind of tied. It's like everyone tied for third except for Nick, who's in second, and Rose, who's in first, I think. I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's not actually like a like a list. I think that if it was a if it was a straight up list, there would be some there would be some like churn on it as people went in, maybe. But it's just like, people yeah. people grew more handsome and less handsome. Yeah. Churn just happened as we gained face diseases. <laughs> <laughs> like, as we ghoulify. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, but but I mean, just like it is, it is literally just if you go to a host, it is like a logic puzzle. It's like an SAT thing. Like oh sure. No, not as handsome as so and so, but handsomer than so and so. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, I feel fine about it. Yeah, me too. I I agree. I, th- I think Nick is a handsome a handsome man. Nick and Nick's a handsome, is a handsome man. Yeah, he's well, he's very handsome. Yeah, like he's the guy. I think the guy's real cute. He's like uh, Barney from uh, uh, Barney Miller. No, uh, what's that? Uh, the, the the story of the meeting of your mother. Is always suited up. Ah, I saw. Oh, um, oh yeah, Mister uh, Mister Doogie. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Doogie. Yeah, yeah, do- do- yeah, Doge. Do- Doge. Yeah, do- do- Doge Hauser. 
Yeah. Do, 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 doji Howler. Very young. He's a doctor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh. But uh, yeah, he's a Roy's is like that. He's also, uh, do you know, uh, uh, he developed this kind of thing um, where, like, you know, cats uh, drool when they're purring. Yes. Sometimes uh, he used to do that a little bit, but now he does it more as he gets older. Okay. And like, I'm really like, I've had it straight up 28 days later, me. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he's so cute. He's like covering over me and then just like, you know, do, 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 do. <laughs> and like hit my lip or something. And it's like, ah, you're so cute. And you're doing this because you're happy, but <laughs> still, this is a bodily fluid. Yeah, it's so weird. Yeah, it's, a, uh, it's a bodily fluid near my infection zones. Exactly. During my mucus membrane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one, one thing I like, uh, it's, it's my understanding that as cats get older, they get kind of worse about keeping their tongue in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, have, uh, I, I think if you do a search on like Tumblr or something for BLEP, B-L-E-P, you're going to find a bunch of a uh, bunch of cats that have their tongues just kind of like a little bit out. Yeah. Pretty cute. Every once in a while, that'll that'll happen. And it's very cute. Yeah. Um, I'm very flattered by the wiki. Like that yeah. has gone very well since we put it out. Yeah. Yeah. Really want to thank everybody who did that. Yeah. yeah. Great job, everybody. Yeah. Uh, let us see. <coughs> Some of these questions are kind of long, so I'm going to uh, to do my best to uh, convey them quickly here. Uh, mm -hmm. Carl Matson writes. Uh, some games seem to require you to play them in immersion breaking and, for lack of a better term, cheesy ways in order to progress. Um, talking about, say, uh, grinding Final Fantasy Tactics by uh, fighting a lone goblin or uh, even like Dark Souls, you know, getting the Drake sword, stuff like that. I'd be interested interested to hear your comments um, on these decisions from a game standpoint. Do you ever uh, struggle to make uh, to make take the profitable path profitable or quick path? Um, uh, what do you think uh, of the Soul Series quirk of relying on near impossible inductive leaps in its quest lines, which inevitably lead to guide dependence? So uh, that's that's not a Souls property. That's a Dark Souls three property. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like well, I, I don't know. I, I think that you can light town to get Sigmire. Sigmire is the most complicated Dark Souls one quest. Most of the quests in Dark Souls one are not that complicated. Yeah, um, way Solaris ends. Solar, well, Solar's bad ending is not complicated. Like you're likely just to get there by exploring. Like you get you get the most complete Solar story automatically. Like you're going to he's by bonfires, he's by places you're going to go yeah. and stuff anyway. Um, yeah. The only part you're not going to go to is that place with the the lights, and you're going to do that if you explore the level. It doesn't require yeah. backtracking to a level you have no reason to go back to. Yeah. Um, and the stuff in uh, in three that requires that stuff is. It's like stuff you have no reason to go back to, but you're also looking for like summon signs and stuff. Mm. Uh, you know, so it's it is uh, more more complicated, I mm. think. Um, and then the uh, the whole I mean, we don't want to get the Dark Souls three spoilers on here. Um, we'll we'll talk about it, but I think three is significantly more complicated than earlier ones. The earlier ones are complicated by NPC questline standards because they don't tell you what to do, mm. but they're not. Three is is the the Byzantine guide guide one, I think, in that series. Um, yeah, so it's kind of two questions, right? Like it's a one, how do we feel about, uh, like the quest line stuff where it's like, there are things in a game where you are kind of forced to reference outside material to advance. Mm -hmm. Um, and how do you feel about games that kind of, 
um, tacitly require kind of degenerate strategies that kind of like run against you, you know, like role playing or what you would, what your yeah. character would do. Yeah, or even just kind of like what would feel most like satisfying to do at that moment, like yeah. grinding or something like that. Um, I don't. I I hate grinding and farming in games. I don't do that uh, if I can handle. If I can avoid it, um, it's like the one like black mark on Final Fantasy IV for me is that like since they gated spell progression behind levels, mm-hmm. there's that place where if you're just playing naturally, you don't have wall when you need wall. Yeah, in the underworld right before the yeah. Game. Like that's a, like literally every time I played that. That was like some of the first like actual like game criticism or like reasonable critique I ever made as a kid mm-hmm. without just knowing why this was bad. I was like, Oh, every time I played this game, cause I played it over and over cause I loved it. Yeah. This part is a huge fucking drag. <laughs> um, you know, so the, uh, yeah, I don't like, I don't like doing that. I don't mind another example. And I don't know if the person who asked had this in mind, but, um, you have to do a lot of like weird cover shooting in hotline Miami too. Hmm. Like I really loved hotline Miami too, but there are parts to get through it. I had to do like, this ducking in and out of doorway thing that is kind of contrary to the way the game has to be played. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of saw it. It didn't bother me though. I saw it as like a puzzle uh, thing, you know, like this is a puzzle. I have a certain number of tools in my box. Like this is a way to get past this. I know I could like get good and get through it, mm-hmm. but same thing or like shooting the, uh, the undead dragon in dark souls one with arrows. Yeah. When I first saw him, I was fine doing that. All the dragons in dark souls three, I killed or all the giants. I killed with arrows from afar because <laughs> they put them in places to fight them that are, would be bad to fight them. Yeah. You know? Um, so I, I guess that doesn't actually bother me that much. Um, I don't, it doesn't bother me that my character wouldn't, uh, wouldn't do that because if it's about self-preservation, maybe my character would, <laughs> you know, they wouldn't do the other thing. Yeah. I don't know, I have a complicated relationship with this because like, it's really hard for me to acknowledge that I'm doing something in a less than optimal way or to like just think about it like it will kind of stick in my craw you know they're just kind of like man there is something boring and terrible i could do that would make this that would make this much easier as it goes mm-hmm. along you know just uh um thinking about it like this like there's a there, there are times when that can actually like work the other way where you are you know kind of like role playing um and that ends up being the more difficult thing, but like you're working towards something else. So like say in new Vegas, this run around, I decided to do like a gunslinger kind of person. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, you know, a lot of the feats that give you better criticals um, for that are kind of like hidden behind, you know, just like certain stat requirements and level requirements and things like that. And like, once you get there, it's real killer. But if you're holding on to that, like, okay, I'm just going to be going back and forth between a 44 and a 357, then you know, that ends up being a little bit tough, but like you're, you know, that's, that, that's a choice that you make, but like, I know that it's working towards something. I, I, you lost me in the middle of that. Are you saying that you, uh, cause you'd be working towards those stats anyway Yeah. to get the, the feats. I don't under, I, I'm sorry. Um, I think that I, I think that I lost, I think that I lost my point there. Honestly. Was, is it that like, you have to look up, like, I know, is it like that you're gaming it? Like, I know that I want this better criticals thing. So I'm going to look online and see what I need to work for towards. Yeah, Did yeah, or, or like even um, uh, looking at looking in the like the perks kind of uh, okay. kind of list and saying like, well, I otherwise wouldn't do that, but I know that like I need to make these kind of counterintuitive decisions to make the kind of character that I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's tough. yeah. I I can I can see why that's kind of annoying, and I think the best games uh, can reward that kind of thing, but you don't have to do the optimal way to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so like again, Dark Souls example, but also True of New Vegas is like you can beat those games with anything. 
yeah. um, you know, get to the end. You may not be as hardy in combat, but they offer other options. So like, you know, you can not get those feats and you'll still be through it. You'll just use more stim packs. It'll be a little bit harder. Yeah. Um, it's also something where I was talking about the uh, Hala Miami cheese in it strategy and everything like this all goes for for grinding like i i will use every tool other than grinding mm -hmm. like i don't want to make myself just so powerful that i steamroll something i think it's part of the reason why like of the two twin pillars of classic jrpg-ness like i'm a final fantasy guy more than a dragon quest guy because yeah. you like you you know, read about dragon quest and stuff and they talk about how like this idea um I, like bob mackie is the first person i heard it from but it's a quote from the developer about like something about it being like climbing a mountain like but anyone can do it because you just keep working at it long enough you just get to it and that's grinding you just get so powerful that nothing is a challenge um i will never like i never truck with having my patience tested mm. um like that you know so in like something like new vegas like i will use every toolbox that's there uh, even if it makes me like a chem-addled maniac, <laughs> uh, in order to like, I really like kind of do sequence breaking those games and doing things before you're supposed to be able to do it, um, which is actually harder. Like it's not cheesing it. It's like, okay, if I literally, you know, blanket the silver rush with mines and pop every drug I have and then hang out in this corner with Boone and Snipe, I can kill all these fucking assholes like as soon as I meet them, Yeah, you know? Um, things like that, like I'm more likely to do. So I'll go against the grain like that, but usually in ways that make the game harder. Unless going against the grain is grinding, which I won't do. Right. So. Yeah. And then, you know, sorry, I've just got New Vegas on the mind. You've got just like games that either make a grinding kind of useless, like Dark mm -hmm. Souls, you don't really get that far into it. Or, you know, like I think the New Vegas does a really good job of scaling stuff up to make it. Oh, yeah. Better, yeah. Know, and New Vegas is, is, is an example that can be used for lots of things. So it's a great game. Yeah, <laughs> like it's great. Like it's not uh, not great in like a, it's like capital G great. Like it does a lot of things. Playing it again, like it does so much right. Yeah, um, yeah, and that that's one of them. Speaking of greatness, we have uh, we have Josh Grimmer who writes in saying, "What's your least favorite great game?" Or what are your least favorite great games? I think Bloodborne is mine. I love everything about it except the act of playing the game. It's just too damn hard. And there are just too many poor systemic decisions as discussed on Bonfireside Chat. Others include Final Fantasy VII. He has some problems with uh, literally every playable character. Ocarina of Time because 3D Zelda doesn't work. And any non-Super Metroid game from the Metroid series. Um, and then to counteract that negativity, he gives us a link to... A uh, uh, the theme song from Golgo 13. Oh, I've not heard, and I do not know how to play over this, so we will go back to that later. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, what, what do you think, Cole? Least favorite great game that's tough. Um, it's, it's tricky to find a way where it's something you recognize that it's great, right? Because it's not you're not just asking what's overrated, yeah. Because with overrated, there's kind of this idea that, like, well, you can still think something's great and then also overrated, but it's not like everybody's wrong about it, it's just like you're just not seeing it. Yeah, you know, or it doesn't it's, work for you. It's tough too because, like, I don't want to be like, I'm out here barbecuing your sacred cows. Yeah, <laughs> look at how edgy I am. But it's like, you know, you look at something like, uh, you know, like Ocarina of Time is a really good example. Not to be lazy here and just say what's in front of me. You know, that's a game that I had a lot of fun with. You know, at, at its time, but it's just so hard. It's just so hard for me to like think about playing that again when I know that like. Majora's Mask is better but that's like a weird other situation where like I only recognize the flaws with like greater perspective mm -hmm. and just because something else is better doesn't mean something that is great is you know something that you just dislike 
or something that is, you know, is unworthy of uh, admiration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ocarina would have been my, my answer too. Yeah. Like the idea of playing that right now sounds awful. Like if someone were like, sit down and play Ocarina of Time all the way through, that doesn't sound good to me. Um, we just, it's funny. I don't know if it's the same person. We, I just got like an ask FM question about yeah, like if we'd ever do Ocarina of Time. It's like, well, maybe ever is a long time, <laughs> um, but it doesn't, it's not very interesting or good. Yeah. Um, and I think, I mean, it's, 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 that's a good example of this question though, because the way in which you could call that game great, uh, is because of historical importance and kind of impact. Uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to do with how it plays or, or like, you know, the, the rash of like kind of annoying design decisions in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it is a great game. Like it is, you know, it ends up on these top, you know, I mean, it's second undertale. It's gotta be great. Um, and the, uh, so it is a great game, but it's like one I don't I don't like very much. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, hmm. it's like uh, people people will bring up. Um, I hear the Mario sixty four. I don't have that much fun playing, and it's I recognize that it's great and everything, but everything that it does, I like Mario Galaxy games like significantly better. Um, you know, and I just I don't uh, don't have that much fun in like, and it's like the first third of Mario sixty four. I'm totally on board and way into it. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to like the desert land and stuff, and it becomes about tricky platforming with that, that kind of thing, it loses me completely. Yeah. I recognize that it's great. It's really good. It's amazing what they did. And they set the standard for how, what like 3d action would look like, but like, I don't like it very much. I don't have that much fun playing it. Yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. I'm looking at a big list of like on Wikipedia, like games considered to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm, you know, very little is like sticking out like they're, you know, you get into stuff like weird JRPGs in the in the 32 bit era. And it's like, I don't really like Xenogears that much. Oh, Xenogears is awful. <laughs> like, yeah. you shouldn't like Xenogears. That's it's atrocious. Well, but but it's like, like, like that, that's that that's on a list and people still yeah. really hold it up and like, you know, in like high regard. And I wouldn't take that away from anybody. But no, it's like, yeah, just like like they, that, that's a game where I just kind of don't get it or like yeah, if, if that's considered it, great. It. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but then you're just kind of like, oh, what's what's considered greatest. But like I'm looking at stuff like, oh, Metal Gear Solid, Super Mario World, like all that stuff. It's like it's hard for me to. You know, I'm not really a negative person, <laughs> but it's hard for me to like nitpick those and say like, ah, I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, to, to people in the Slack, I, I do not mean to offend you by saying I think I think Zero is really bad. It is one of the most boring JRPGs I've ever completed. Yeah. I, I was bored for a greater percentage of time in that game than I have in many games. It, it does a really bad job of like, uh, like the the ratio of like player control to like cutscene non-interactive parts is bad um and that's something i don't like yeah. i don't want to watch a movie necessarily after these things i think i mean i don't like the xeno saga games either i didn't play all of them i played the first one though because it looked pretty uh <laughs> on ps2 but like i don't like that, that game either and same, same kind of reason like they just take they rest control away from me too much i'm just not doing enough for large swaths yeah. of it yep so yeah we agree with you. we agree, uh, agree with you josh like ocarina of time probably but you know, like, I guess I like I wouldn't, you know, kick it out of bed or anything. It's, just... it's not torture. Like, it, if you put a gun to my head, I would play it. It doesn't sound good though. Like, there's just so many more interesting things to play. Yeah. Um. And I and I played it like contemporaneously. Like, I played it when it it came out. It's not a lack of nostalgia. I was a little bit older when it came out. So I think that the people who say it is like the greatest game of all time are a little bit younger than me. 
you know, is, is what's happening. But I, I play, it's not like I didn't, don't have any nostalgia for it because I did play it and enjoy it at the time. It just, when I've attempted to come back, I get, again, I get kind of bored by some of it, you know? Yeah. So. I mean, like it came out when I was 11 and that's a pretty good age for, uh, for, you know, liking a Zelda game specifically like, you know, a 3d Zelda game on the amazing system that is the N64. Yeah. Yeah. One second here. Turn Something on the all right. Yeah, fuck. Okay, <laughs> you just get to publicly watch your technology fail, Cole. <laughs> God damn it! This is like Gremlins too. <laughs> you're you're in the you're in the build the clamp towers and <laughs> and none of your precious tech will save you now. <laughs> it's, it's, hey, Cole. Yeah. Guess uh, guess what doesn't need batteries? <laughs> What's that? A book. <laughs> Wait a minute. There's a world of power for bases loaded. Yeah, I, I I was trying to find the funniest example of a book to like do the old man on the plane. Like, guess what? I don't have to turn off. Oh, that fucking commercial! <laughs> the World of Power bases loaded to second season, uh, book at a scant sixty pages. Can you give uh, me one of the uh, one of the uh, pro tips from that? Uh, let me see if I can I can find one. Uh, one of the advantages that Power Worlds has over Worlds of Power is that I up the pro tip limit. These guys they make them actually kind of rare. And this is actually there might not be a pro tip because these are this is the youth series. <laughs> the Mega Man two and the uh, bases loaded one are part of the uh, youth youth series, mm. as opposed to the others, which are complex and challenging. Yeah, this is written in present tense too. It's weird. <laughs> um, yeah, present tense second person. You look yeah. at you you look at the picture. You want you hear the crack of the bat. <laughs> yeah. Oh gosh. Um, let's see here. Zachary writes, uh, Hey Gary and Cole, since you've got seven new and exciting podcasts planned or started recently, I wanted to ask, let's say you're in a fantasy scenario in which you have unlimited time and money, uh, to put toward creating your dream show. What would it be? You can answer separately or, and, or together. And to clarify, uh, you have all the money slash resources you need to put on the show and any time spent on that show doesn't age you. Um, or take time away from your day. So there is literally no cost to this, except perhaps the hidden monkey paws cost of the mental toil creating art in a timeless vacuum uh, would cause. Oh, yeah. I like, the, I like the magic parts of this question. <laughs> so we go into a pocket dimension where we can do all the creative work that we want, but it has to be the, like, the thing we want to do. Yeah, it would be, it'd be the thing that we want to do the most. Yeah. Um, um, that's, that's tricky. Cause it, the unlimited resource thing lends itself towards like, we go and interview, you know, people who made games and stuff, but I get mildly uncomfortable during interviews and you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't find that process like fun. It's sometimes gratifying, but it's like, it's nerve wracking and weird. It wouldn't be like something I would choose if I had a genie, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, like honestly, like the realistic answer that I would give would be, you know, to really knuckle down and do hex crank. You know, mm -hmm. like as you know, I like it, the fact that this is a podcast is uh, is is a little bit changed. But like to go into that and figure out a way to make that work in an audio format as opposed to video, which is what I've been working on for you know so long, um, is uh, you know that would be a good one. Like aspirationally, like something I've been thinking of is like, man, it'd be awesome if I had the time and kind of like the capability or the resources or connections to to do like a like a fiction podcast. You know, mm -hmm. like. You know, like a, like an ongoing serialized, you know, kind of story. Mm -hmm. You know, something like that. Yeah, and that's just time. Yep. Like that's not even 
you wouldn't even need money or, or anything. It'd be cool if it, the time stuff. I would like to be able to finish all the projects that we have going on now, like I said, without it impacting time. So I would like to do do my blog, and I would like to be able to do um, all the stuff we have on the Patreon yeah. and the like. Um, I think it would be very fun to have the time uh, and energy to do a really, really produced actual play podcast of like a Dungeons and Dragons campaign or a Call of Cthulhu campaign, like uh, where where like you know you edit out like get it setting up and everything like it just becomes very much like a story like that like similar to that kind of thing but just through through that i think that'd be really fun um but it, it still doesn't feel like sky high and you know sky in the pie enough pie in the yeah. high enough high in the high <laughs> in the, the sky pie in the sky enough uh pie with, in the sky apple pie hopes yeah, yeah. I, I also think that like being able to produce like a series of bonfire side chat-esque like examinations of series of different game series would be really cool yeah, like WAF Chronicles, like we've talked like, about. Like, yeah, yeah, of like, of like lots of different series. Because, like, even something like Zelda, like, like that, that kind of like cron gaming within a specific series is really interesting to me. Yeah. Like, the Bonfire Side chat approach to something like the Zelda series would be very fun. Because I, I really like the way that that you can look at how a series, like, the understanding that I have of how Dark Souls evolved from like doing this examination of it mm-hmm. uh, is something I would like to see applied to other series, even series like Zelda, where I'm kind of like lukewarm on them. Yeah. You know? I, I I'm I would love to articulate how I'm lukewarm on them, yeah, that yeah. in a way that only that unlimited amount of time could do. But if you know if I only have a, a small amount of time, I'm not going to choose like, all right, like it's time for, uh, you know, I'm not going to choose all the Metroid games. So I know I don't enjoy two thirds of them, <laughs> you know, uh, but I would in this time with unlimited time. So, yeah, yeah this question made me sad. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, you have to choose. There's opportunity. Everybody has to choose. Yep. Uh, Jala asks, "What's the longest you've ever let your beard grow?" Gary, I think this is this is more for you. Uh, there's the pick the in the uh, the Patreon video. That's my longest beard, just about <laughs> like give or take an inch or whatever. But like, like old and scraggly. Yeah. 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 My beard doesn't get long; it goes grows out. Mm. Um, it's uh, incredibly bushy. But if I take a single strand and pull it out, then uh, then usually like yeah, I get I let it get about three inches before it uh before I have to go in and yeah get it back under control. Yeah, yep. when I when I had mega beard, that was definitely like an existential crisis kind of thing uh, that had to do with my job, which I hated. And I was just like, fuck it, like I don't <laughs> I don't care. I'm gonna look like a weird I'm look like the IT guy, even though I'm not. <laughs> um, yeah, so yeah, you just start carrying around a like a multi tool. Yeah. Yeah. Just, all right. I'll, I'll fix your spreadsheet. Um, and the, the issue it's not, um, once mine gets out, it's not thick at all. And that was the problem with it. It, it like hangs and stuff, but it's just not like it's kind of gets kind of strandy. Yeah. And, uh, and that, that I didn't, I didn't care for. Looks like a, like a metal gear four beard or metal gear five beard. Oh, uh, Oh yeah, sorry. I yeah. had a, <laughs> I, I my my plugin went away, so I, oh. I, I dipped out during that. You say last thing you say you got kind of strandy. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> it looked like a Metal Gear Five beard or like a dark, like a PS4 beard. Mm-hmm. Like you know how here, like if you compared beard generations on video games, <laughs> you have your your uh, your Dark Souls Three Metal Gear Five beard where everyone just has like scuzz strands, mm-hmm. like nothing is full. 
Like the yeah. the beards in Metal Gear Five are among the worst beards I've seen in video games. Mm-hmm. And then you compare that with the uh, gigantic lumberjack beard that you get in Alpha Protocol, which is awesome. Well, uh, I wanted. That's just yeah. like a solid piece of geometry. It's not like yeah. modeling. Yeah, that's what I want. I, I want. Uh, I don't want individual hairs modeled because beards don't look like individual hairs from like a distance. Like it looks like a solid piece. Yeah. Um, that's what I want. Uh, yeah. You know. Except for mine, well, you know, you, you deal with a red beard that, like, in certain lights, uh, just kind of looks like it's a flesh-colored beard. Yeah. And like, oh, you have tiny little cilia coming out of you. Oh yeah, like that. A lot of my mustache is blonde. Yeah. Um, so if I just have a mustache in certain lights, it just looks like weird lip. <laughs> I, I don't like it. Yeah, it's gross. Please never say weird lip. Yeah. <laughs> Boy lip. <laughs> Colon weird. <laughs> Oh, oh gosh, uh, Fletcher asks, uh, which Devil's Deal seems more palatable to you? Duckfeed is brought out of uh, is bought out for an obscene sum, and the only caveat is that uh, one of your shows, uh, chosen by the new boss, is taken over by a committee chosen set of hosts, or your personal brand rights are bought out and a Gary slash Brayton sitcom sitcom debuts uh, this fall in CBS with guest stars playing uh, the other network hosts. The second one sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100% want that. That'd be so weird. That'd be very funny for like me and Brayton. Like, and then, and then just like, oh, geez, the guy they got to play Will. Like, it would just be weird. Um, just call it House Boys. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I like that. Doesn't sound like a double deal at all. That sounds awesome. To yeah. Me. I'd watch that, even though it is CBS. So you got a lot of got a lot of network overhead. You think, you think the big wigs here are bad? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the first one would be uh, the part of it that makes it sound like a fun devil deal is that we don't know which show it is that we get replaced on. You know, it's like abject, abject suffering, and they bring in uh, Chris like, Hardwick and Joe Rogan. I was going to say Chris Hardwick too. Yeah, just like Chris Hardwick and Jesse Thorne on abject suffering. It's the pleasant hour with with the bland boys, like. <laughs> Yeah, no, but just like if it's a committee picking it, like, oh, we're just going to like juice it for maximum appeal. And yeah, of course, it'd be abject suffering because that's the one we like the most. Yeah, to hurt to hurt us. Yeah, it wouldn't be the one with the most appeal. It would probably be Bonfire Side Chat and they would replace us with like some G4 TV like lady, like, you you know, like the video game TV when they have the ladies yeah. uh, who are just kind of meant to like they're like they're probably great and smart, but they're being I feel like they're being used you know, to be like, you know, this hottest game, Call of Duty. You know, I did I remember GameStop commercials. Oh yeah. And you yeah. get that and then you would get like uh you know, I don't know, like Mario Lopez. <laughs> um <laughs> like he doesn't say no to anything. It's like Nick Cage. Yeah. Yeah. And then every episode would be like interviewing celebrities that like Dark Souls and it would just be like the Peter Serafanowitz like season. <laughs> and they would just talk about his latest movies. Well yeah. Yeah. A real weird show. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a good question. I, I would go for the second one. Although, yeah, me too. I you know I, I just I don't know what that looks like with the with the other guests playing you know playing different being played by different uh, kind of like character actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, or if it was other ways, it was like that. Your rights just got sold, and it was like a sitcom. Mm-hmm. It was just about like you know bird watching beer guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> like a Truman Show kind of thing. Yeah, they got they uh, they replace me obviously, but then they rig up this very same apartment with cameras. Oh yeah, <laughs> you get the actor in, lock the door. 
What what would a sitcom like an actual sitcom look like if it was like one person and there weren't like a lot of guests? Like they the the one person who works from home. <laughs> It'd be Moon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even Moon has someone to talk to. Like there's it's not that's two people by by all intents and purposes, you know? I mean, I guess it'd be like the Martian. Like you'd have to have like a diary or something. But if you just did it where it's just like the person going about their life, like I don't know where the jokes would come from, like them just making jokes to themselves. <laughs> Like well, they would just laugh every once in a while. You, I, th- I think that in that case you have to have like a like a most extreme elimination challenge, uh, kind of like a, like color commentary. Mm. It's like yeah. oh, we just he's going with the arrow press instead of the pour over today. It's yeah, kind of saucy. Yeah, he's who he's feeling. He's a bath time. He's taking a bath. <laughs> week, week. Yeah, and then, then they load um, up the bath boy music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, network mandated bubble bath. We need you to, <laughs> to obscure your horrifying yeah. bubble beards. <laughs> oh man. Uh David asks, what Souls game boss would you most like to play as against players? Uh would still be the same arena slash circumstances uh as their normal fights, just controlled by you. I have an answer. What's your answer? um burned ivory king oh yeah yep that'd be real fun i had like a you know like like a squad command kind of thing mm-hmm. it was like a like a real-time strategy or you know something yeah, like that'd be awesome it's like a shitload you know it's it's me as like this really powerful guy leading this small army against another small army yeah which is a lot how the player uh fight ends up going too but it would still be still be super fun yep. and you'd have you'd have an additional strategic like you'd be guarding those um those nodes that mm-hmm. get iced over rather than like icing them over. Yeah. That'd be fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're playing as the, the actual person, like when I think about perspective change, cause like a, you could do like, it'd be fun to play as like Ornstein and Snow cause you'd have a buddy with you and you would, you know, be able to stomp a bunch of people <laughs> and something like that. But it would almost be fun to play like something like, um, in trying to find something that would be really different from the player experience. Like it's something like the bed of chaos, where like you have this grand overview, you have this like little gnat like thing moving around, and you just have to like try to stop. It'd be like the end of Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, I was thinking like uh, um, with, with the floor dropping out, it'd be like uh, Tecmo's Deception. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, you have to uh, kind of create traps or create situations in which the person falls to their death. Yeah, and a, a series of adventures comes to you. Yeah, adventurers. Yeah. yeah. I think it'd, like I think it'd be boring. Like people in the chat are saying Artorias. I think that's good, but like that is so you're on such kind of even terms with that. Yeah, you're still just another sword dude. That like yeah. you could something else on top of it. You can get a sword that gives you a lot of that move set. Like not all of it, but like you can kind of recreate that. Yeah. You know, now. Um, so I think it would definitely be something uh, big and weird, but uh, I like the idea of doing um, something stationary because then you're not. It's not like playing Gaping Dragon wouldn't be that fun uh, because the arena is so big and you're so slow most of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like it would just be like, that's a really easy boss and it wouldn't play that differently. It would play like a really slow duel, you know, which is yeah. kind of what it is. Weirdly enough, like, so the EverQuest expansions like slowly got weirder and weirder. Mm-hmm. Um, and like later on, they had like these challenge dungeons where you were controlling former raid bosses. Oh, fun. He would just like roll up and one person would be playing Lord Nagathan, the red dragon from the original, mm. like vanilla version of the game. And uh, yeah, it's like a little kind of similar to what we're talking about. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. It's almost a cool idea for a boss. 
in the game. Like if you went through the fog and your perspective pers- uh, perspective changed to seeing yourself go through the the fog, <laughs> like some ye- some yellow monk shit, like mm-hmm. you know, like your you know, mind switch. Uh, I like uh, like in the in the chat. Royal Rat Vanguard is Pikmin. I like that a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. Um. Wait, Vanguard or is that uh? Wait. Uh, authority is evil Sif. Okay. Vanguard is the uh, thousands of rats, yeah, and so then the one cool rat with the mohawk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Uh, Michael McCormick asks, "Who would play you in the Duckfeed movie?" <laughs> Um, well, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, Kathy Bates. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like where this movie's going. Um, no, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, so you have to like, you have to play like to, you know, like mannerism kind of counts, but you can change that physical appearance. Like if he was still alive, let's say Philip Seymour Hoffman. There we go. Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's, that's a, that's a good answer. Yeah. It's hard to think of like, like uh, I'll say uh, John Gabris, uh, <laughs> who's a comedian and not so much an actor, but uh, just trying to find actors of carriage that are, uh, you know, uh, yeah, yep. who do, and he doesn't even look that much, that much like me. I don't know what actors like look like. He's more uh, like curly haired mm-hmm. than I am, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Get to get like, like, like Tilda Swinton in some baggy clothes. Yeah, yeah, she can do anything. Yeah, she can play a different race. Yeah, it would be a CG, like Ultron. <laughs> uh, play me. <laughs> oh, James Spader. Let's get let's get James. Spader. Yeah, let's get the Spade Man and uh, and but as Ultron, <laughs> yeah. James Spader as Ultron as Barry Butterfield. <laughs> he's already kind of got the beard thing going too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. weird metal. He's got the the weird metal man lip. <laughs> oh. yeah. yeah. Um. Let's see here. I wish we had somebody else so they could answer. I don't want to answer for anybody else. I couldn't even begin to. Oh, like cast one of our friends, like <laughs> other hosts. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Angus writes all time favorite fashion souls outfit uh, for you to put. Uh, sorry, all time favorite fashion souls outfit that you put together. Uh, if you care for that sort of thing, which I do so hard. Also, am I uh, the only? Well, well, so also, am I the only spending what likely amounts to hours of life in Fire Firelink Shrine? Oh, the only one spending uh, time in Firelink Shrine, uh, close to the wall to zoom in on various pieces of armor to make sure the outfit is just so. Okay, there we go. Sorry, that that, that got kind of a mess there. So he, uh, he's using a, a wall in Firelink to examine. Uh, oh, his, his outfits. Yeah, yeah pushing the camera closer to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I like uh, the one. I, this is super simple, but. Uh, when I did my PVP build for Dark Souls One, when we did that episode, mm-hmm. um, the uh, the Firekeeper, the not the Firekeeper, the Sister of Chaos set that is down, uh, that's being guarded by Ceaseless Discharge. Oh yeah, um, the Goldhand. With Goldhand set with the uh, Dark Wraith mask, mm. uh, and and the Grave Lord sword, and then just um, a bunch of toxic and poison pyromancy stuff mm-hmm. um, was a really nice look. Like you looked like a really scary Skull Wraith thing. <laughs> Uh, with a cool, cool bone sword, and I, whenever I did the PvP, I would emerge from a cloud, um, like I would shoot a poison cloud around a corner like and then come out of ring it. In the WWE, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that that one guy from the GIF just was like, oh, fuck yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't know that GIF. That GIF is still funny to me. That that meme because it is really like he's oh, just really happy when he's. Uh, 
there's the one where it's like the wrestling guy and he sees the muscular guy come in and it's just his reaction shots where he's just like, Oh, whoa. Like he's just doing that. Yeah. And it's that for a lot of time. And people replace what he's reacting to with things. Mm. Uh, and I know of the famous Vince McMahon one where that, that ends with him falling backward in his chair. I think, I think that, maybe that's it. I didn't know. It was a, like a, like that was him handing it up as a sexy lady was doing like, a, Oh, you're Vince McMahon and I'm going to dance for you. Oh, th- this was definitely a guy coming in. Unless that was been, we should have uh, this. This calls for a pair of podcasts that's like us explaining memes and having memes explained to us. <laughs> at first, I was like, "There's been a lot of meme chat on the network," and it was like, "We've been doing a lot of explaining memes, which is the height of comedy." And then I was thinking, like, "Actually, we don't know enough about this. Like, we just need to get in a third-party expert, <laughs> a meme spurt." Yeah, we yeah, we need to get somebody in, uh, like, put the meme team on it and like have them teach us uh, down here on the meme streets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gene Teen Meeman. <laughs> uh, um, I, I, so I think this is fun to do in Dark Souls 2. I think Dark Souls 2 kind of has the height of like ridiculous armor for you to wear. Um, mm. uh, like, let's say the butterfly set. I don't really do this. Honestly, I just kind of roll whatever works best for my build. Mm. Yeah, not really uh, that into fashion souls. It's it's weird. Like I like how the armor looks. Like I look at it and stuff. But the accessorizing and mixing, mixing and matching, I don't do tons of. Like I like whenever I get a new piece of armor, I put it on to see if it looks cool. But I usually will just, you know, wear a set of armor that looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Also, it's fun to do it in Dark Souls too because they have that. I think they have the most intense uh, like cloth like clothing. Yeah, yeah. The, everything has capes. Yes. Uh, in Dark Souls too, so it looks real cool. And there's just a lot of weird things. So there's butterfly set. There's um, smelter demons <laughs> helmet thing that like goes down to here, like his chest piece that leaves, leaves your gut uncovered. Like <laughs> there's a lot of weird armor in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. I'm going to refresh the page to see if anybody else has put anything in. We have two questions left, and one of them is a doozy. I'm going to save the doozy for the last of the uh, the priority ones here. Okay. Um, so Sam Bear writes: Are there any weird non-standard character classes in an RPG, uh, tabletop, video game, or otherwise uh, that you really love? My perennial favorite is the guy from Fantasy Star 2, who's a uh, who's a shitty mechanic that gets a bunch of techniques based around breaking robots. I love that guy. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, who, because it, it, they introduce him. It's so weird because they introduce him as like the machines take over, mm-hmm. um, and the uh, he's he's a wrecker is his class, and it's like, yeah, I build stuff, but I know how to take it apart, and he's not useful for like large swaths of the game, but they give him to you as like kind of like a band aid uh, <laughs> for this part when you're going to start fighting a lot of robots. Um, that guy's awesome. That is a good. Uh, that's a good answer. Yeah. Um, yeah um let's say this in the final fantasy 4 uh kind of like port that came out for game boy advance edward can can wreck shop Mm, yeah yeah um i would say like edward slash gilbert i love the idea of this kind of like wimpy guy who attacks with status effects harps uh just just kind of like eventually like magic carping it all the way up but even that idea of him you know being this kind of like almost like enchanter kind of guy like i don't even mind him in the actual game you mm. know um similar thing with like other weirdo uh ones like realm or quina or anything like that like blue magic i always have kind of like a like a soft spot in my heart for that yeah yeah i, I like i have like a soft spot and then i just don't want to go and do the grinding again to kept get all the stuff like i always want to use strago and then it's just like this is going to involve looking at a guide and then going to a bunch of different places around the world and yeah. trying to trick somebody into using an attack on me 
um, like hoping that you uh, that that he fires that one this one boss that you only fight once fires his attack. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I loved uh, I love Setzer in uh, in six, <laughs> who's kind of a weird character. Um, he's not super weird in tabletop games. Um, I when I was first in my first round of tabletop game, I played a lot of bards. I thought bards were pretty much the shit, um, just because of flavor stuff, you know. Um, I remember looking through like the complete bards handbook for second edition and encouraging you to like make up your own songs and how that'll be real popular and like you'll go to the gaming table and everybody will love the songs that you make up. Uh, <laughs> listen, no, listen, no, yeah, the, the yeah, yeah, a yeah, tavern did burn, a tavern yeah. did burn. Yeah, 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 right. Second in uh, Splatbook. I don't know who who you're thinking is going to be like. Oh, look, it's our it's our friend Wyland and his like yeah yeah. I'm our friend Wyland. He's made another song for our D and D group. Let's stop and listen before getting back to the game. We're in the dogs. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you said Wyland intentionally. Ah uh, no. Okay. Uh, I was just trying to come up with a dorky D and D second edition name. <laughs> but. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. Bards. I, oh, and uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Uh, I once you for, and I did this as a challenge thing. It's not like something I loved and went through the start. But like, when you get guns, uh, mediators are kind of fine in Final yeah. Fantasy Tactics. Like you can roll. Like I had a, a time where I had a party where I had two mediators. Mm-hmm. It's like whoa, two mediators, but they just like stood back with elemental guns, and then anything got close to them, their like invite skill was high enough to make it reasonable. Yep. Uh, so I could just convert anyone who got close enough to them. It was kind of like this cool <laughs> environmental hazard, like this charm turret in the, <laughs> in the side. It was super yeah. cool. How to win friends and influence goblins. Oh, and I, and I love uh, I love oracles in that game. Uh, Oracle, like, Final Fantasy Tactics is a good one because there's lots of weird little classes. Oh, yeah. um, oracles are really good. You get the sticks with the uh, the reach, and then they um, can you know they're just really versatile, yeah. oh, like shit. buff and debuff classes. I forgot know. about geomancers. Yeah, geomancers are great. Geomancers. Love those. Yeah, geomancers are super cool. Yeah, um, yeah. I also wish I had the patience to do like the mathematician or whatever. Well, like the astrom- astronomer. Uh, well, the astronomer is is a is a uh, NPC class, my friend. Um, you okay. can you can never be the uh, him, but you can be the uh, uh, the calculator. There we go. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, I've I've done a calculator build and got them fully. And they just break the game like they're too they're too good. But what it ends up being, if you don't want to do a bunch of like math on your own, is just you checking every permutation of these like these two different factors. Like they're really boring to play. Yeah, they're very powerful. But you're just like, okay, what if height is divided by three? Okay, this hit nine <laughs> of the enemy, but two of my guys. Can I do better than that? And you just keep trying and trying and trying different formulations. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's I just don't have the patience for it, but I love the idea. Yeah, it's a bummer. It is a cool, super cool idea, but it's not that fun to play. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, let's see here. So this is the last of the priority questions that we have, um, and this might take a minute. Uh, George writes: As a guy turning twenty-two next month, what is the best life advice you can give? Anything is appreciated and helpful. Thanks. Um. Now, do you have something? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. It's too. <laughs> you sound really, really that that tone really primed me for this call. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, just like so. So first off, uh, don't model your don't model your life after mine. Um, that is ter- uh, you know bad. Um, I feel. Do, do you think that was a possibility? Do you think that that was gonna gonna happen? <laughs> nope. Um, no, but I mean, like, I just I feel like the wrong person to ask for advice. And so, you know, like what I'm gonna say is really generic. Um, it's two things. First off, what was it that uh, that Conan said at that? Uh, or Conan, Conan O'Brien said at that uh, 
oh man uh commencement speech like hey just be uh just work hard and be kind kind of stuff mm-hmm. like that i think is easy to forget and also you know what uh make sure you do stuff for other people you know if you do stuff for other people if you put other people kind of toward the center of your life then uh you get practice helping lift their burden and uh that makes you a little bit better at uh lifting your own i say this as a weird loner but uh that is something i wish i knew earlier yeah but i didn't become such a weird loner uh yeah um for people real quick in the slack before we answer this we'll we'll figure that out no one's going to get a jilted out of their priority question so don't don't worry we will uh We'll figure out what's going on with that. Oh. Um, yeah, uh, being nice to other people is good. Um, I here's a here's a piece of advice that hasn't bit me in the ass uh, in life. Um, people aren't out to get you. Um, you are not as important to other people as you like. In, you're simultaneously more important and less important than you think to other people. Um, you are more important to your friends than you think you are like uh, the people who are around you who love you and everything really value you. And that's a thing that you can depend on and value and feel good about. And then also uh, rely on if you need to. Um, so don't feel bad about asking for help from people who, you know, who uh, uh, love you uh, at the same time, strangers and uh, people on the internet and randos and stuff value you less um, than you think they do. So if you are walking around and you have a piece of toilet paper in your shoe, uh, metaphorically or literally, and you're like, God, I must look like such a fucking idiot. Or you go to like a party and, uh, you're kind of quiet and then you go home and you're like, man, I feel like, like I was such a weirdo and everyone there thought I was a weirdo. Nope. Nobody, everybody there is just thinking about their own thing and they all have their own lives. Uh, and they probably weren't thinking about you at all. So avoid that kind of center of the universism to yourself um, as best you can. Because, you know, when you think that people, everyone, when everyone thinks you're an idiot, uh, what's much more likely is no one's thinking about you at all. Um, you know, in, in is, uh, so if it's something that is kind, if it's something that somebody likes you, it, it, it kind of, uh, I feel like it kind of leans more positive than people are likely, likely to think. Like anytime you're like, man, I made a real fool out of myself. Probably not. Like I almost guarantee you it was fine. Yeah. Like it is uh so be a little bit kinder with yourself in, in respect to those kind of things. Yeah. Um and also keep in mind that like every single person you meet, this is a, a mind blowing revelation that I have like once a week. Every single person you meet when you're walking around on the street has their own huge history and life and concerns and are just trying to make it and be good and be happy. Uh so if you uh keep that in mind, it is a good way to keep perspective like they're trying their best if somebody is, is just like oh man look at this like there's, it's like the this is water speech thing oh, yeah. like you're behind somebody at the grocery store and they're being an asshole and making your day worse you don't know that they didn't spend a, all night staying up with their partner who has bone cancer yeah. you know you don't know anything about them they're just trying their best yeah uh, so try to try to keep that in the f- middle of your your mind yeah. at all times like whenever you interact with somebody even people you don't like like there are people who i don't like mm-hmm. uh and I try to think of it like this is a simplified version of it, but I try to think of like everybody's kind of a victim of something a little bit. Like they don't have to have a victim mentality, but like if somebody is, is being shitty, it's probably because they were hurt and yeah. they're being guarded, you know, like they, they are deserving of, of my, my empathy and sympathy too. Yeah. 
empathy um, is the like the key word for that and that is what i try and keep like the the what, what i try to remind myself of when i'm feeling like there's like conflict welling is like oh everybody has their reason yeah like there's just something and then this person they're they're like this for a reason and they are uh it's very like unlikely they're trying to be evil <laughs> You know, like there's, there's very few, like when I say like, nobody's out to get you, like there are very few people who are like sociopaths who are like literally just trying to scam you. I think that does happen, but Mm -hmm. operating as if most people don't do that has served me really well. Uh, And it's really weird when I notice somebody who is like just so defensive that like, oh, everyone is out to fuck me. And it's like, I, I get it again. Those people have been hurt. Like, I understand that, but it's just kind of sad because like not everybody's out to fuck you. Yeah. Most people probably wish you well or don't think about you at all. Yeah. You know? So Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh that's the inventory. Um work hard, be kind. Uh not everybody is thinking about you. Empathy, 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 and everybody yeah. has their reasons. Yeah. Oh, and also be kind to yourself. Yeah, yeah. And don't uh, don't be so hard on yourself. The uh there's no when you, you know, walk off the the you know, like you did a talk or you did a, a performance like this happened a lot in my like band time and i did this it took me a long time to like realize that like i would miss one note and something and then obsess over it because mm-hmm. of a band performance and then realize like oh you know what like almost no one noticed that mm-hmm. you know and like in the person it makes a big deal out of it probably yeah yeah it is not the person who i need to really be that concerned with you know, like it, there's a weird like that transitions real easily into something that sounds really negative, but I don't think of it as negative is that like on the regular, I think like, oh, this doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something I, I'm really comforting, comforted by. Like it all matters a lot. And then the other hand, though, it's like the concept, like what's the worst that could happen is always something that's going to just kind of blow over. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like not always. There are people who have real problems and have problems worse than me. But like a lot of times it's like, Oh, this in the grand scheme of things, how I, like if I uh, did recorded a podcast and was particularly mush mouthed or mispronounced something or got a fact wrong, like, does it matter? Mm-hmm. Not really. Like I'm still the same person and it's still, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Just give yourself permission to feel okay. That's yeah. Just, you don't have to feel good. Just feel okay. Don't, you know, yeah, that, that, that is something, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting, maybe it's just something that I have to deal with, but it's kind of like, you know, I'm just not going to feel like a piece of shit today. Yeah. Yeah. And there's not like, I mean, it's all, and how you feel, don't beat yourself up for feeling bad either. Depression's a real thing and chemicals. I'm not saying you, I mean, everybody, but like you also like chemicals are a thing, you know, yeah. it's complicated. Like mood disorder stuff is complicated and just mood is really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but recognize when you are just literally just beating yourself up. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it's just like, oh, I'm a piece of shit. Like, that's probably not true. I'm in a bad mood. How can I like distract myself for a while? Yeah. From this, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Like the way this relates to like somebody being young, I just, I spent a lot of time when I was young, you know, I still spent a lot of time today just like not feeling as good as I, you know, could, you know, Mm -hmm. like just like a day where I'm kind of at a C minus is, you know, that's, you have to give yourself grace for that and kind of stuff. But it's like, you know, a lot of this would would probably with a change in perspective or with a more mindful kind of approach to things like I just kind of wish those bad days had been 10% better. Yeah. You know, and and like that, that 10% is, you know, well within your control, you know, a lot of the time you have a little, yeah, you have a bit of swing. Like you can, you can, you can't totally control it, but, and, and don't undervalue uh, distraction. Like mm-hmm. distraction is so important. Like if I get to where I'm in a bad mood and it's just going to happen, 
you know, like there's nothing to be done about it. Like I can't think my way out of it. Mm-hmm. Like that's a good time to like sit and watch like three episodes of the Simpsons, <laughs> you know, and then just like turn off my brain for a little bit. Cause I don't, you know, and then kind of move past it. Yeah. I mean, like we are incredibly fixated on entertainment. Yeah. Now, I want to say we, I mean like you and I, yeah, you know, like in a lot of ways, like this started, you know, kind of talking of you know, this, like the network, watch our fireballs, all that kind of started at like at, during a time when, at least when I was acknowledging, like, you know, breath of fire is a lot of fun to play when you're depressed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, it, this is, uh, yeah, you can't, uh, you can't always fight that kind of stuff, No, but you can, you can just kind of squeeze past it, I think. And then if it keeps happening, uh, then there's somebody who is, it was 22, this is I wish I had known. Um, it took me a very long time before I went and got therapy and then eventually got medicated for depression, um, which is no bad thing. Like that is, that is great. I wish that like everyone had easy access to therapy, mm-hmm. like easy and, and ready access to free. Like that would be great. Because it is, it was really helpful to be, and it's not the kind of thing, if you find this person who wrote in this question and say they're depressed or anything, we're projecting a lot of like Midwestern depressive yeah. on, on this guy. <laughs> if, uh, if you do start feeling that way though, uh, it's not, doesn't have to be permanent. Like, no. like you're just like, oh, if I go into therapy, then it's going to be like a TV show where I see a shrink once a week and I'm always taking pills or something. Nope. Yeah. You can, you can be kind of like acutely depressed and just need to go talk to somebody 10 times. And then you eventually like feel better or develop ways to get through. Yeah. Or like the situation that you're in passes. Yeah. Like things get better. Yeah. The, uh, for some reason, my prescription for the antidepressant I was on keeps getting uh, filled and (laughs) it's it's covered by my insurance. So I keep taking it, Uh, not taking it like for uh, taking it into my body, but I keep grabbing, (laughs) I keep taking bottles of it because they just, they bring it up at checkout and I don't want to be like, Oh no, I don't need that one. Put that one back. Cause they've already made the label for it. So I just have like, (laughs) I don't know something like eight months of like uh, of uh, antidepressants just sitting around as like an emergency. <laughs> like, I don't think. I mean, I don't actually. This is super bad advice. This is not good advice for a twenty-two year old. Don't leave around medications that you shouldn't take. Uh, but I just don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and, uh, part of me likes the idea of like if I ever get really depressed and know that I need to uh, start taking stuff again, I don't have to wait to get into a doctor and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I could. I know how this affects me, and I could start taking it again if I needed to. Yeah. So. <laughs> and hey, you know, if somebody's like breaking in, they're looking for, you know, like it in, not, you know. No, no, like there's nothing you're going to, you're not going to get high off of like, you know, <laughs> you I'm going to take this entire bottle die. of Prozac. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Asking for help is not a bad thing. I wish yeah. I knew that too. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see here. So, uh, to answer this, answered it in the Slack, but uh, if anybody who's uh, listening are like, wait a minute, I was a priority uh, person. Uh, all of those uh, went on to uh, comment on the actual video itself, not on the the Patreon um, mm. thread. So comment on the Patreon posting, not this. I'll try and clarify that. I, you know, just it's one of those things you have to test and see. But don't worry, yeah. we'll get to them. It's not a big right. deal. Yep, it's not. Like we're not we're not beating you up. Somebody apologize. You don't need to apologize. Oh yeah, don't, don't apologize. Definitely yeah. not. Yeah. Um, uh, Greg writes, I know you guys have said numerous times that you're not game developers or programmers. However, you've played a lot of games for a wide ranging period of time um, and have thought long and hard uh, about what makes a game good versus bad and fun versus not fun. Uh, a friend came to you and said you have the resources to create a AAA game um, and that you could write the game specs for it. Uh, what kind of game would you uh, most like to see based on your experiences? Uh, created that you would that that would be both fun to you um, and you believe would do very well in the marketplace. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, think about uh, this is this is kind of the converse of that other question. Uh, if you mm-hmm. were able to make a, the the dream podcast, you, if you had the means to make like the ideal video game, um, what would you do? I would I would still I don't know how well I'd do. I would still make the game. I keep talking about the idea of the like role playing like kind of personal story role playing game that's about being in a band that mm-hmm. gamifies composition and setless construction and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like a half simulator, half RPG thing that yeah. has, you know, I think I would still, just because it would, in order, I would still want it to be good more than I'd want it to sell real well. And goodness comes from uh, drilling down to something specific. And uh, that's something specific. Yeah. So. Yeah. I would do something like PT, honestly. Mm. Yeah. Like, like PT was the glimpse of my one of like kind of the platonic ideal of a game I wanted to play. Hmm. Um, and yeah, if I could capture some of that, go in and do just some real mind fuckery in a, you know, horror environment, um, then yeah, that's what I would like to do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see here. Adam writes, uh, what are your guys's favorite board games? Um, yeah. Uh, I like, uh, we're getting near the end of Pandemic Legacy which has been super fun. Uh, that's a recommended thing. If you have a game, if you have four people, you can, or three other people you could play a game with uh, once a week or once every two weeks, buy it. Um, you can only play it once. It's a, it's a season, but it's a tens of ups and downs and it's really compelling and great. Yeah. Um, that's really fun. I don't know if it's a favorite, but it's very good. Yeah. Um, but like right now, my, my favorite probably is, is uh, code names, which is a, a card game rather than a board game, but there's a board element to it. I really love that game. I'm pretty much always down for that game. Nice. Yeah, I still need to. I need to find a way to play that, or like yeah. a venue in which I can play it. You have a you have a toy and game store not too far from your house. They might have it. Oh yeah, yeah. That place, yeah. They they, they do. Just, I've seen it there. Yeah, and you can play it two players. It becomes uh, cooperative rather than competitive with two people. I'm down. But with it's that. still the me- you still get to explore the com- the mechanics. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still really fun. So. Yeah. Yeah, I might I might go pick that up actually. Mm-hmm. Just take it into work and see if anybody's down. Got a got a friend at work who's very into board game kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, you know, I don't have as much experience with tabletop or board games as Gary does. Um, but uh, uh, here, about a year or so back, uh, Ben from the level he came over and uh, we played Twilight Struggle together. Oh, sure. Um, and that was tremendous. <laughs> so <laughs> it's a it's kind of a small a small pool. Um, you know, like a small pool, like literally it's just in there with like San Juan, that card game that's mm-hmm. uh, kind of based on Puerto Rico um, and uh, the XCOM game. Like I, I respect the XCOM game because it's real neat. Like mm-hmm. the idea of, you know, just uh, this app as a, as a, as a governor on, you know, to, to, to help, you know, increase the, the, the pressure for each turn. That's pretty cool. But like Twilight's Twilight Struggle just did such a good job of, mm-hmm. you know, simulating the Cold War in a fun way. Um, the Cold War, this card drafting, the Cold War, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, that uh, that like I was like, whoa, this is this is a lot of fun. And I don't, you know, Ben's a really good teacher. Like he's really good at like walking you through this stuff and making you understand and the you know, and, and things like that. Uh, so that probably helped it, but it felt like, incredibly like grokable in a in a real mm. way. Yeah. yeah, I I haven't uh, I've heard a lot about the XCOM game, but haven't played it. Yeah, um, it's and it's it's a really similar to the video game. Yeah. Like yeah, it's it's a, which it would sound really cool when I've heard about it. It just sounds like uh, it's really really hard in the same way the game is. Yeah, 
like my understanding of that game is like you have to set out and be prepared to lose. Like it's okay to lose. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and that's still you still have to be able to have fun that way. Yeah. So which appeals to me, but I have not not played it. So. Yeah. I also like uh, like games where people take different roles, you know. So mm-hmm. like, oh yeah. I, play, I played it over at Dennis's and I was like, I was the guy who was in charge of like the lab kind of stuff yeah you know re- researching new technologies and deploying stuff to, to help other people out like i love any time where you're in a group and you can be like okay i'm just, I'm, I'm the support guy yeah like asymmetrical <laughs> yeah asymmetrical play um yeah the um will my roommate plays a lot more board games than i do and he's been playing the space cadets game which is like a space you know you you pilot a ship but there's a bunch of different roles you can take and they all have these little mini games you engage in mm-hmm. that determine uh, how successful and how many resources you get for that kind of stuff oh, wow. Um, I've not played it yet. I've watched him play it a couple times. It looks really cool. What was uh, that called again? I think it's called Space Cadets. Space Cadets. Yeah, it looks really neat. So, nice. really unattractive art style to me. It's real goofy, <laughs> like, well, like penny arcade looking character designs, but like the mechanics are supposed to be good. Yeah. Hmm. I'm excited about the Dark Souls board game. I'm real curious about it. Yeah. You know, part of me, because Dark Souls, uh, I was talking with Levi uh, Curran about that and the Bloodborne game and how, like, even we're talking about a tabletop adaptation of Dark Souls. Um, and then we were talking about the board game and how, like, since it's so reflex-based, right? Like, mm-hmm. you just, you get good at Dark Souls. That's a cliche, but, like, that's what happens is you mm-hmm. learn the muscles to play it. That's really hard to simulate with any element of chance. Yeah. You know, that doesn't feel feel good. Um, so it is, uh, yeah, I don't, uh, that stuff makes me skeptical. I think you know, the, way like, they're, the way that they're trying to get around that is to lean more into like the, okay, you need to plan ahead kind of stuff. Like by which I mean like, okay, have a plan of attack and kind of like know roughly the strategy for what you're going against mm-hmm. um, and being able to adapt um, based on that chance getting around, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just kind of curious. Like I feel like any of those games, there's going to be a point in which like something's going to happen that's out of my control. Uh, with things like that, and it's going to feel like it doesn't emulate the Souls games really well because that's it always feels like my fault, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, I'm curious. Like, I I will I'm going to play it a lot, but yeah. yeah. Emily in the in the chat says uh, the boss patterns are locked in after the first repetition, uh, so you mm. can remember the pattern and then adjust in advance. Okay, I wonder if that first repetition, how likely it is to kill you. Um, which like happens in in souls but i could see feeling like a weird tax in a board game form yeah i haven't done tons of looking into it though i'm not speaking from a point of experience we're just kind of musing about how hard it would be to make Mm -hmm. we're not saying they didn't do it yeah so Um, they they have a pretty good video that shows like the uh the gameplay loop in it cool Yeah. yeah Uh, let's see here. Uh, if anybody has any other questions here, this might end up being a little bit of a shorter episode. Um, go ahead and use the Q and a widget on the, uh, on the video. We have one in there. We have one more on the comments. Uh, but Brett writes, uh, do either of you have an embarrassing childhood memory that still makes you cringe and tense up? Uh, for instance, my brother recently reminded me of when I was, uh, when I told all of the kids in the neighborhood that I played the guitar solo in Metallica's fade to black. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, <laughs> pretty cool! Hey, kid, I like your style. Yeah, once you're swung by the studio, uh, <laughs> an older kid uh, went home to get his guitar and made me try to play it in front of everyone. Oh, that's so good! That's a, that's a great story. <laughs> good on that older kid. Um, I still listen. We were trying to get the song to come together. We just can't get the right sound. I think you got it, kid. <laughs> I need an 11 year old kid. I'm James Hetfield. Please buy my records. 
Um, <laughs> uh, I still get all tingly thinking about it. Like just, uh, that's, that's that great. Mortifying. That's real good. Yeah. Um, was it on, on some kind of, I think I told the story on some kind of podcast, like when I was in school and pissed my pants. I think <laughs> I, I told that that was really embarrassing. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, no, it was, I mean, it's, it was really bad. Like I was, uh, I mean, it's a, and, and now going back to that life advice thing, like I can look back, I'm not that embarrassed because one, uh, nothing matters. Like it doesn't matter. I'm still, you know, it doesn't change anything, but then two, um, you know, with some kindness to myself, like I was not in like a super good place. Like we, uh, I, I looked at, at some point and I'd like lived like, uh, 25 places in the first, like 20 years of my life or something like that. Like I, you know, moved around a lot as a kid. I did the math at some point. I can't remember, but we had, we had moved around. We were moving around constantly and we lived with my grandparents for a couple of months and I went to school out there. Um, and it, it changed schools and it was very rural and people were very mean to me, uh, there. And, uh, at some point, uh, I was just like cowed and embarrassed enough to not, uh, ask to use the bathroom and ended up pissing myself uh, at the school. And I was like pretty young. I wasn't like, you know, I was like 17, you know? Um, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, yeah. I wasn't like a, a sophomore. So I ended up peeing, uh, just in, in the chair and then, uh, excuse myself, went to the bathroom. I like tried to dump like water on my front and then like people asked and I said like, Oh, you know, I, uh, I spilled water or something like that. Like I made up some lie and then went, uh, during lunch, went back and changed my clothes and stuff. But you know, you, you'll bet I'd never live that down. Um, but that, that was pretty embarrassing. Like I tried to look, you know, I was not in a good place. So like, yeah, you know, this, this was a, a really, really nervous, unconfident person who this happened to. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably the, the embarrassing like thing. The most embarrassing thing I did was just like urinate in the middle of class. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. I don't know if I have anything like that. I never, never did that. There was the time I was playing little. League. Oh, well, no, no. Just like I'm trying. Oh, like, somebody oh. doesn't pee in class. Man. No, well, my, my my initial thing is to say like, oh, I did. Just like don't feel bad about that because I did this. You know, same, mm. same thing. But I never, never did that. Had a. Uh, <laughs> had an experience when I was in first grade and had to go and use the restroom uh, to, uh, to poop because, you know, I, this has been a lifelong affliction, you know, mm-hmm. eating to poop, no, like nervous stomach kind of stuff and uh, going in. And then a bunch of fourth graders came in and like started saying, ha ha, you're in there. And they started like throwing shit over the, uh, over Oh, the that's, that's hard. And, and, uh, and then in order to try and uh, to like, I thought I could trick them by standing up on the, uh, on the toilet seat like uh like oh like movies and like hey the feet are gone are you standing in the toilet kid like that it was was a real shitty time Um, yeah probably why i can't really use uh public restrooms that easily yeah Um, (laughs) why 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 is uh isn't it weird how when you get older bathroom time becomes this like holy like non you don't it's like consecrated like you don't uh you don't desecrate bathroom time Mm-hmm. But when you're young, it's like if some kid's like taking a shit, you just don't think anything of like banging on the door or screaming at him or something. Yeah. And like you don't, to me, if I'm doing the screaming in that situation, I don't want that relationship with that person when wild poop is coming out of them. <laughs> right. That weirds me out. It has nothing to do with courtesy. It's just like me having that connection to them that feels weird. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. like, that happens with me at work a lot too. It's like, you know, just kind of like, oh, we caught each other on the way to the bathroom. We're going to talk. And then like, dear God, please don't speak the app. We're talking at the urinal. Fuck. Oh yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's really bad urinal etiquette. That's you should, you should quit. Cause the, the, <laughs> you don't, uh, for a like lot of that, reasons, but for that, yeah, that, that's a, uh, that's, that's bad. <laughs> that's a bad coworker. Not like necessarily a bad person, but like that's bad coworking. You don't talk in urinals. Like it's, it's secret. Like you just like, while urine is coming out of somebody, 
-hmm. Like that's between them and their urine. Like it's not. <laughs> it's like it's like you just went up and 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 like tried to high five him during his wedding ceremony. You know, like his holy union. It's very personal. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we did both go light the unity candle. Yeah. There, there we go. We do. Yeah. Between the, uh, yeah, you guys are holding hands as you do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Holding the, the inside hands are holding the outside hands are holding our junk. Yeah. And we cross the streams and we've bonded for life. Yeah. You pee into each other's toilets, so to speak. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fighting. Yeah. Crossfire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I remember when I, when I publicly quit Little League. Hmm. <laughs> I was I was on the bench, and uh, there was a there was a pop foul ball that, that that flew up. It hit a telephone pole and bounced down and hit me in the jaw. Mm. And I was like, Oof. I don't think it, like it was like it didn't break anything, but it hurt real bad. I'm like, I'm done. And yeah. I got up in the middle of the game, walked to my parents. I'm like, take me home. I'm not doing this. Yeah, <laughs> which yeah. was probably not the best way to handle that. But yeah, you know. yeah. I and mean, there's tons of like just being an insufferable little shit. Like that's that's what you do as a kid. Like yeah, that's like I me. Mean, like moments like oh, I totally could have handled that better. Like just looking back and feeling mortified by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. Hmm. Uh, we've got we've got one more question here in the Q and A. Um, yeah. So we might end up happening like end about ten minutes early or so. But uh, uh, California Rhythm asks, uh, "What's your take on the popular opinion of Western developed video games not having boss fights designed as well as Eastern developed video games?" I I haven't read about that. No, neither have I. Yeah. Um, there there are all kinds of. I'm going to use this word. Um, and I don't mean it in the negative way, like stereotypes about East versus West kind of stuff that I think, you know, hold true in most situations, but like when held up to scrutiny, don't as much. Um, yeah, I've never heard this particular one. Like, and I'm immediately thinking of like compare, say like Dark Souls to God of War. Yo, sure. You know, yeah, like that's, that's like the closest point of comparison, but like. I don't know. Like they, I think they just do something different. Compare like a JRPG, like big flashy boss, to you know, like Fallout or Alpha Protocol or something, where yeah, you, know, you have like that different stuff. Though, like those are no less boss fights. I think I prefer the Alpha Protocol version of that, but like you know, it's just a different ethic. The um, because for some reason, whenever you compare Eastern versus Western games, my mind goes to RPG, yeah, because um, it just like those are the two that are actually separate, distinct genres. Yep. You know, more than anything, it feels like. Um, there was a uh, we got into a big conversation in Slack about this because um, Cat Bailey's RPG podcast on US Gamer did a uh, greatest RPG bosses of all time kind of thing, and it was like entirely JRPGs because like that. As much as I love that website and I love those guys, like they have a really crazy Japanese and console bias. Um, there's like very very little. It's because of how old they are, right? Like they were alive during the time where Super Nintendo dominated and the best super nintendo games were japanese um the uh and then um so they have this this weird bias and they were talking about the best boss battles and it was kind of blowing my mind because what they ended up going with was luca blight from suikoden 2 um which is like a great fight mm -hmm. right like that, that, is a, that is a great fight but uh as far as rpgs go i don't buy this better thing because i at the same time, I like watched some video or something, and it reminded me of um, the master in Fallout One, mm -hmm. which is like it is really hard for me to top the master. Like that is like so impressive, and has to do with me. Mm -hmm. Like it's not a story of like 
here's my little little Japanese role playing game game guy and this little friend he doesn't like and they're they're fighting like action figures banging against each other like the master fight is my guy and the way that fire articulates depends on how much I personally like explored that world what my values were leading up to that point uh, you know things like that where it's it uh, rewards you if you are curious if you will go through the world and you're like hey I actually want to solve this problem and have this kind of kind of interest um, you learn about these super mutants you, it's really hard like you have to poke into a lot of different areas but if you have this knowledge you can win an ideological victory mm-hmm. against them and that's that's so much cooler and better and more impressive to me yeah uh, than any fight you know uh, as far as like like oh like what I did in the way I interact with this world in directly resulted in my victory of this and it's a moral victory you know and that's awesome like so i don't i don't know if that that stands true in action games like maybe like in you compare souls to like god of war like no contest right yeah uh, but in rpg terms western rpgs have way better bosses mm-hmm. like they're not they're not they don't turn into one wing angel god things and the music's not as good but the bosses oftentimes relate to the theming of the game in a way that's really strong and actually involves the player. Like the way you play interacts how the boss fight can articulate uh, in stronger ways. Yeah. I think. Um, I think that in terms of like really good boss fights, like Japanese action games have like a, like a stronger like studio voice uh, yeah. for them as well. Because like, I don't know, like platinum does amazing bosses yeah and you know i can't think of like you know like western western action games have kind of become so militarized that like you know like it's really hard to have an impressive like you know gameplay scenario around you know shooting something like a third person cover shooter or like yeah like a, a gears of war or like a um like an ubisoft sandbox nightmare is not going to have a really strong boss fight yeah you know because the within that mechanic set there's not really room for it Right. So strictly from a mechanical sense, like I don't think that's ever going to be particularly good. Yeah. For a second, I thought they, I had this thought that they, maybe they were inverse because like Western role-playing games tend to have these like kind of downbeat bosses as far as presentation mm-hmm. goes. And Japanese RPGM bosses tend to turn into gigantic super gods with organ swells under them. And then Western, uh, so if you look at the God of War Dark Souls comparison, like a lot of your bosses in Dark Souls are this kind of downbeat, uh, you know, just a person. You know, the fight's really interesting, but the, all the God of War bosses are huge particle effect nightmares. Mm-hmm. So there's almost this in, inversion there, but not quite because when you start looking at, you know, other, uh, like, other, other than those two examples, mm-hmm. you know, they don't, they don't quite invert as well. Yeah. 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 I don't know. Just, this, this just makes me want to play like more platinum games, honestly. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> fantastic. Like though, that's uh that's really fun. I still haven't, that's why I need to start. Because I have, uh, I think I have Metal Gear Rising, and I still haven't played it. And I yeah. know I will love it. It's just like a, a future like joy bomb. That's like a I threw a grenade into the future. Of like whenever I feel like playing this, like I'm gonna really love it. Yeah. Um, and then Bayonetta too, which I played a little bit of, but have never like need to stick with. Yeah, Bayonetta. I like it. Yeah, yeah, I like those games a lot. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't know if we came down to like an actual answer for that, but I, I think, I think it is not true in the world of RPGs Right is, is my answer. I, it may be true in the world of, uh, in action games. Yeah. I feel like it is categorically not true in RPGs. Yeah. Um, yeah. um, and there is one more question that got stuck in the box here. Sorry, Emily. I, uh, uh, just kind of like skipped over this question for no real reason. 
Um, uh, but she says, I'm picking up Fallout New Vegas to play along with Watch Out for Fireballs uh, since I've never played any of the DLC. Uh, do you have any favorite mods? Or if you don't use mods, which DLC is your favorite? Uh, mod wise, uh, I haven't played, not playing mods this first time through, um, do a mod that increases the radio station. I think that's a not like that's harmless and you'll like it. Uh, there's like nine songs on the radio in a new Vegas. It's like one of the biggest things in that game. Um, it's just, the songs are really great too. There's just not enough of them. Um, so if you like listening to the radio in those games, which I do, um, there are tons of mod, not mods that put in like appropriate cool cowboy music. Um, do that. Uh, graphical mods are like safe bets generally. Content-wise, the one that I think is the least intrusive, and you're not relying on the writing skills of, um, you know, like a community member, which I'm not always super into. Uh, there's one that's like New Vegas Interiors or something like that, and it, what it does is all of the buildings that are just boarded up that you can't go into, uh, it opens those up. Um, you go into them. The bigger ones just kind of end up being kind of dungeony. Like you go in. You fight some stuff, and at the end, there's usually a giant version of something that's out in the wasteland that's named and has a named piece of equipment behind it. So, like, you go into, there's a cigarette factory between you and Prim. If you go into it, at the end of it, there's a giant mantis. You fight this cool kind of giant mantis fight, and then you get, like, a unique pistol. And it just kind of adds a little bit of that reward structure from 3 into New Vegas. Yeah. Almost made it sound like Oblivion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, here's a, you know, except for place, like, Necromaster Dungeons with, uh, with mutants. Yeah, which is I, I don't I would rather have that than nothing. Yeah, you know, um, it's I'm glad that New Vegas does uh, does what it does instead. But like, get you a man who can do both, you know. Yeah. Um, and then my favorite mod or my favorite DLC is Old World Blues, yeah. um, which I think is the the funniest and also uh, just allow it's su- super creative. Like, there's just tons of weird, cool, creative shit in it. Tons of great yeah. personalities. Tons of awesome ideas. I think that yeah. um, Dead Money edges that out for play for me. Like I think yeah, that, oh, dead, dead money is awesome. Like play wise, yeah, like yeah. Dead money changes so much of the so, so much of the play, um, yeah. like in a really cool, methodical, and kind of like tense and scary way. That yeah, like, I'm just I'm 100 down for. I lo- I love dead money too. Like those are my two favorites, like for sure. I did. Um, I'm playing on on super hard because these games are really easy uh, for me. Like not again, not right. This isn't a game that people do challenge runs in. Um, <laughs> so I'm playing on very hard, and I'm very high level going into dead money. Mm-hmm. And you go into dead money, they take away all your stuff. The uh, the very first uh, enemy you run into was like a mini boss. Like I I died on him a couple times uh, <laughs> before I got a gun. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not specced for melee, and this guy uh, chunks me, and I have no healing items. Yep. It was really intense and awesome. It was like fighting Nemesis when mm-hmm. like when you're not supposed to fight him the first time. And I love how, kind of how gradually like how gradually those guys stop being like a a, a, a real threat. Yeah, and I feel like the village dwellers, right? Like the uh, like the, like those people, um, it has a really satisfying curve um, to where you're able to deal with them better as mm-hmm. you round stuff up. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, um, I think that like, do, do you have any thoughts on like the order to play them in? Because like I just did them in release order this time, and that has treated me pretty well. Like they all tell a, you know, like the, the, each of them has small parts of a cohesive story that pays off in uh, Lonesome Road. I haven't mm-hmm. played Lonesome Road yet, but like, do you think there's like an optimal way to do it? Uh, release order is fine. I think that you actually are okay if you're sick of New Vegas skipping Honest Hearts. It has the least to do with the final thing. It's referenced, mm-hmm. um, but it's not. 
it's like it, it the cool like the DLCs in New Vegas like we're really blessed with those right because they each of them answer an actual cool kind of story about the main thing and they're all based around these characters or locations that get kind of myth- mythologized mm-hmm. and for the most part it's kind of amazing because they pay off yeah like when you meet Father Elijah in Dead Money it makes he makes total sense mm-hmm. like it's like this is the character um, I feel like Honest Heart doesn't quite do that like the character you meet like when you meet the burned man I find him pretty disappointing. Um, you know, so it's like, it's the, it's the worst execution and it doesn't add too much to the actual mythos. Yeah. Um, the, the only thing I really came away from honest hearts with is the Birdman's gun, which is amazing. Yeah. You can, you can get good gear from it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but man, just like contrasting that with like operation Anchorage and mothership Zeta and stuff like that just have nothing to do with the actual world mm. <laughs> and nothing to do with anything. Um, yeah, I think you can skip that one, but doing like Dead Money, Old Road Blues, and Lonesome Road probably makes the most sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, like both Dead Money and uh, Old World Blues, they're not, they're not as high a level, but like you need to be like fifteen to twenty to really yeah. hit those. Like yeah. they like they're really kind about before you go into those different areas. Like they will flash up and say like, "Hey, you're about to do this." It will tell you if you can or cannot come back. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's doable at a lower level. Like when I did them last summer, I went and did them right out of the right out of New Good Springs, mm-hmm. um, just to see like if you can. Um, I wasn't playing on super hard, but I was just like playing it on regular and like and you can do it if you want a different experience. But that's like if you know the fall three D Fallout like kind of mechanisms really well. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah. Um, and we have a final one here. Um, yeah, we, we, we managed to go up to time. Uh, this is uh, King Minos. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is King Minos who says, what did you guys think of Far Harbor on Fallout 4? I haven't played it yet. Yeah, uh, I want to. It's 25 bucks, which I think is a little expensive. Um, and I want to go back to Fallout 4, but having played Fallout 4, Fallout 3, and the New Vegas, like its entirety within the span of like six months, Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna go to Fall Far Harbor. Like I'm gonna play that like next winter or something like that. I'm gonna wait for a while. Yeah, the trailer looks good. Just getting a good uh, good reviews mm-hmm. for what for what that's worth. Like, yeah, I'm kind of excited. Like it it was an accident. Uh, just that I ended up playing Fallout Four so late. I'm probably gonna get to it sooner than you did, Gary. Just because like I don't want this in like weather on the vine for me. Like I want to get it mm-hmm. while it's at least a little bit contemporary. Um, but like now, like most if not all of the DLC is out, right? Uh, yeah, the the um, I think this is the only content based one. The other ones like make a robot, and then the other one is make a settlement. Okay, um, which are two like systems I didn't get engaged with that much. Did like how much Fallout Four did you play? Uh, I got out of the uh, the the like intro vault. Okay, um, the city building stuff. Like I know people who either went like really deep with it mm-hmm. and really loved it, or people who didn't really engage with it that much at all. Yep. Um, so uh, like. like the city building and crafting stuff. I'm not going to lie. Like that's pretty appealing to me. It's, it's not bad. Like I did it up to a point. Like I made myself a cool house. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, Slack is saying there is one more uh, mission DLC coming out. Oh, so okay. that's cool. Um, but I made myself a cool house, but I didn't feel like I needed like the, uh, the, there's a little bit of like in the main game, there's a little bit of like Minecraft esque, like a uh, redstone mm-hmm. kind of stuff um, going on. But with the, uh, the expansion, they add even more of that stuff. Like you set up trap rooms and everything, which is kind of cool, but there's nothing like other than just the joy of having a trap room. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's going to happen. 
Like you're going to like people will uh, raiders will come to your house, but a turret will do just as well as setting up this elaborate trap. So you just have to take the joy in doing it. Mm -hmm. There's no uh, there's no actual like mechanical benefit to doing it. So if that's fun to you, like which is a little bit appealing, but not Mm -hmm. super appealing. Yeah, you said the word trap room and I immediately just like shuddered. (laughs) Just like, yes, I want it so bad. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that's everything. Yeah. Real Thanks, everybody. Uh, episode. Thank you. Yes. So much for uh, for for asking these. There we are. Um, oh. no, thanks, everybody. Uh, this is this show is uh, brought to you because of Patreon. So thanks, everybody, for being our patrons. If you are. Yeah. Um, if you tuned in late and you want to hear the entire thing, uh, this will go up um, on an audio form here uh, in a couple days. Um, and also it'll be uh, archived on YouTube here as soon as uh, it worms its way through the system. But yeah, we really appreciate it. I had a lot of, uh, lot of thoughtful questions here this time. Yeah, Which these are fun to do. do. Yeah. yeah, these are fun to do. So thank you guys for asking them. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah. Well, um, everybody have a fantastic and safe weekend. Yeah. Good night, everybody. Good night.